If you'll turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians. <laughs> I guess I fooled you. <laughs> I'm going to read in the book of Ephesians. We're going to begin to read at verse 25 down through the end of the chapter. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. It's always helpful if I give you the chapter, right? Yeah. It says, Husbands, Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So... Husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his wife, and let the wife see that she respect her husband. This is God's word. Let us pray together. <clears throat> Father, thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you that as God you dwell in your people and you teach and instruct and give wisdom and guidance. And Father, I pray that as God the Spirit works in our hearts. You will speak to me and speak through me and speak to the hearts of each one of us that we might grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Thank you for your truth and may we hear it and obey it to the glory of your name. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> We have been looking at this third, third chapter of Colossians, so you can turn to Colossians now. <laughs> and we began by, I began by pointing out that there are 15 commands in this chapter, and what a command is, what is expected from a command is obedience. And obedience only comes through relationship, our relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Jesus said, if you keep on loving me, you will keep my commandments. So we have to keep that developed relationship with Jesus Christ. And then we looked at the first two commands. And as I said, they, they are vital. If we don't obey those first two commands, all the rest are useless. Because we can't obey them unless we obey the first two. And the first one we looked at was finding fellowship with Christ. And if you're not in fellowship with Christ, you're not going to obey anything else. Our obedience comes out of our fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And our fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ then affects everything we do and how we act and how we react in every situation. And then the second thing we saw was what I call fix your focus properly. And in that statement, what he is saying is focus on the eternal and not on the temporary. We live in the temporary, the things of the earth. And I don't know about you, but it's sure easy to get focused on this world, isn't it? Instead of keeping our focus upward. And we have to, as, as Paul puts it, we have to have a heavenly mindset. We have to have a heavenly mindset. Everything we do has to be related to that heavenly mindset. How does this fit in with the eternal purpose and plan of God? And that's the way we should operate as believers. Now, I'm just for the sake of time today, because it's communion Sunday, I'm going to skip all the rest and go down to where we began last week. And uh, uh, I, we looked at verses uh, 18 through 25, which I entitled Forging Favorable Relationships. Forging favorable relationships. And we looked at the first uh, set of commands, uh, which I called marital harmony. Marital harmony. And uh, we looked at the fact that <clears throat> the apostle uh, begins with the wives. And uh, he wants to get the wives in the right groove. And so he says, wives, you only got one job. You only got one job, submit yourselves to your husbands. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. Be under the authority of your husband. And we looked at the fact that that was a statement that God initiated in the fall. He spoke to Eve. I was going to say Adam. Eve. And... Uh, he said, your husband shall rule over you or have authority over you. And so the disobedience to that command that the apostle gives us in, in Ephesians and in uh, Colossians and in 1 Peter 3 is a disobedience to the command of God because all they were doing was repeating the command of God. And so <coughs> we, we looked at the fact that uh, uh, the woman uh, must accept Christ's order. 
And I pointed out, and I, I, I just want to remind you that <coughs> the word submit is a military term, and it means to fall in order, fall into the order that God has established. And uh, 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 you, d you don't see the private going to the general and saying, listen, I think uh, you've got these guys marching the wrong way. I think... Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the general's in charge, and he operates. There's an order in, in the military, and there's an order in God, and there's an order, if you've ever noticed, in the Godhead also. You see? The Son is submitted to the Father, and the Holy Spirit, Spirit is submitted to the Father and the Son. And so, uh, God is a God of order. And I don't know about you, but when I think of that, I think hey, this is great, because our world would be a mess if God wasn't the God of order. Yeah, everything keeps going in order. Everything God does is a thing that he ordered, and it works orderly because God is a God of order. And so for the home to have marital harmony, it must be following God's order. So, we looked at the fact that uh, the wife needs to uh, be accepting God's order. But let me remind you that this is only half the secret. The other half is what I call exercising Christ's attitude. Exercising Christ's attitude. And this is for you gentlemen and myself. Uh, as we look at these passages today, uh, uh, you see, what the wife does is only half the secret. What the men do is the bigger part of the secret because they have a bigger job than the women. Women only have to submit, but you'll see there's a whole list of things that men are responsible for. And they're responsible for all of these things because God has given them the leadership authority. Not because they're somebody special, but it's again in God's order. He has given them the leadership uh, authority. Now, as I reminded you <coughs> men last week, so I'm going to remind you women this week. It does not say in that passage there that wives make your husbands love you. That's not what it says. It's just talking to the husbands, not to the wives. Okay? If you, there was a plethora of books written in the uh, 90s by these Christian psychologists, you know, and uh, one of the things I remember reading in one of the books was, if you, it's your job, women, to make your husbands love you. So look at your watch, and if it's a half an hour before the time he's coming home, run upstairs and get your hair all straight, put on fresh makeup, and put on a sexy dress so that he'll be in love with you. Well, that's there's nothing biblical about that. That's just pure psychology uh, that doesn't work, okay? 
And uh, uh, so uh, what we're going to do this morning is I I'm going to begin in 1 Peter chapter 3. So if you can turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, and then we'll look at Colossians, and then we'll look at Ephesians. And I'm doing that for a simple reason, uh, actually a twofold reason, because both in Colossians, writing to the Colossians, and Peter writing his letter to the Jews, only deal with one verse for the husbands. Whereas you uh, remember, I think, uh, as we read the passage in Ephesians, there's a, quite a long passage there where he deals with the husband's responsibility. But the second reason I, I do this is because in both of these short passages, there's a different approach that each one takes. Paul takes a different approach in Colossians than he does in Ephesians. And that's, again, because Colossians is the Reader's Digest condensed version of Ephesians. You see, so he's got it condensed down into one verse. So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. First Peter chapter three verse seven. I can't even trust my notes. I got seventeen in there. <coughs> it says, "Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife, as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered." Now, first. He starts off with respect your wife's physical limitations. Respect your wife's physical limitations. Let me give you a translation here. In like manner, the husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, assigning respect to the wife in the manner of a vessel without strength. By the way, that word strength uh, in, in the original just deals with physical strength. It's not talking about mental strength or anything, just physical strength. And uh, it, it is very apparent, it is very apparent that uh, 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 men and women are different as far as strength goes, physical strength. I don't know if you ever noticed that in the uh, women's weightlifting competitions around the world, that the there's all kinds of weightlifting records being broken nowadays. And guess who's breaking them? Men who think they're women. You see. And God has made men and women totally different. You know, there's a, a product that God has given us men. It's called testosterone. And that testosterone is for muscle and strength. 
And if you ever noticed that when a person changes their gender, uh, a, a woman becomes a man, they feed them as much testosterone as they can, so they become bulky and supposedly stronger and so on, uh, become more masculine. But God never created man and woman that way. He created men as the tough guy that has to work. God said to Adam in, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, he says, But you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat it. Cursed is the ground because of you until you will eat all the days of your life. Notice that. You got the muscles, you're going to work. <laughs> he didn't say to Eve, you're, you're the one. You, you made this mess, you're, you're going to do all the work. You know, he said to Adam, you're going to do the work. You're going to do the because I built you to do the work. And so you're going to toil all the rest of your life until you go back to the dust of the earth out of which you came. And so I think it's important for us as men to respect uh, our wives as weaker vessels physically. And we'll just talk about the opposite in a moment. But I think it's important. You know, you see so often the husband has worked his eight hours, uh, whether it's as, as a carpenter, plumber, bricklayer, or computer operator, gets home, comes home, and uh, his wife's been working hard trying to keep these ten kids all in order here and, and uh, uh, everything else. And he comes in and says, Oh dear, I, I'm beat. I think I'll sit down and watch television now. As if she didn't do anything all day. You know, uh, I think we have lost the sense that the wife is the weaker sense, sex. And one of the reasons is because the wife has imposed this upon herself by not obeying the submission rule and taken over and started ruling the home and she, he says okay you're the strong one go ahead you do it you do it so I think it's vital and important so we have to realize our wife's physical I use this word carefully inferiority That, that By that I mean she is not as strong as the man is. God never created it that way. The second thing he tells, says here is, realize your wife's spiritual equality. Realize your wife's spiritual equality. And uh, uh, this is why in the beginning I talked about harmony in the Christian home. You see, he's talking to Christians here in Christian homes. And he says, realize that your wife is exactly the same before God as you are. Uh, let me give you a translation here. It's also in the manner of heirs together belonging to the grace of life. When we stand before God 
men, uh, our wife's going to be standing on the same platform we are. She's not going to be a step lower because grace, grace draws an equal line right through everybody and every sex. It doesn't matter about race, color, creed, or sex. It's all the same in the plan of redemption. You see? And so it's vital and important uh, to understand that the grace of God that has been supplied to me and you, gentlemen, is the same grace that has been supplied to your wife so that she can see and know and understand and grow and become a better believer. Now, we're going to see you got a responsibility in that, but your wife has just as much spiritual ability as you do. Why? Why? Because the Spirit of God dwells in her and she has the Word of God. What do we have, men? The Spirit of God dwelling in us and the Word of God. The Word and the Spirit. See, we saw those things working back and forth together. And so, uh, we may have distinct roles in the family and in the church, but our standing before God is exactly equal. Exactly equal. And so he says, you have to you have to respect that. You have to understand that. And realize your wife has spiritual equality with you. And then the third thing he says here, and the third thing is tied to our accepting and understanding the first two. He says, recognize that if you don't do this, it hinders prayer. It hinders prayer. Not your wife's prayer, but your prayer as a man. Your prayers are hindered. It says, again, a literal translation here. It says, in regard to the prayers of yours, be not cut off. Be not cut off. In, the, in other words, if you, don't, if you don't recognize these two things, then God's going to cut off your prayer. He's not going to hear it. He's not going to listen. Why? Why? Because he doesn't like the way you pray? No. No, because you haven't been obedient. You see? Disobedience always leads to God not hearing us. We need to be in fellowship with God for Him to hear us. And so this is something that is vital and important. And I think for us as husbands and men, maybe it should make us stop and think. I wonder what, maybe that's why my answers, my prayers aren't being answered. Because I'm not doing what God wants me to do. I'm not being obedient to him. Maybe I better get on the ball and become obedient. And do what God wants me to do. So, that's Peter's approach to you 
and me, gentlemen. Uh, he is telling us to respect your wife's physical inferiority and your wife's spiritual equality. And that, if you don't do that, you're probably going to have trouble in your prayer life. Now, turn back to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 19. I got into Ephesians already. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 19. Notice it says, just one statement. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Now, <coughs> there's two commands here, actually, in that sentence. One is a positive command and the other is a negative command. The positive command is, Husbands, keep on loving your wives. Did you get that, guys? Keep on loving your wives. Why would he say that? I mean, why do you think I married her? Because I love her. Ah, he's talking about a different kind of love, and we'll see that in a minute. We'll see that in a minute. But you have to realize that even if as a believer, you believe that God has led you to the choice of the wife you have, there is still, there is still sensual parts of that relationship. The appearance of the woman, the attitude of the woman, there are things that affect you towards her. And so, there may come a time in your relationship that you don't seem to see those things anymore. So you, you know, the love just drains out, you know. And uh, uh, he, he warns us that uh, we, we should keep on loving, gentlemen. Keep on, keep on, keep on keeping on. Loving your wives. And the negative commandment is also do not have the habit of being bitter toward your wife. Have you ever looked up the definition of bitter in a dictionary? It says bitter as characterized by intense hostility that is you're hostile towards your wife why do men get hostile towards their wife because they don't think she's doing what they think she should be doing and it gets them upset and hostility begins by a little bubbling down here, you see. 
and then he comes up and comes up. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15, it says, See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of what? Bitterness spring, springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. Let me just point out that what that verse is saying. Bitterness is a lack of the work of the grace of God in our lives. And especially you gentlemen. Bitterness is the lack of the work of the grace of God in our lives. He says, come short of grace. Don't reach it. They don't reach it. They don't get there. And the second thing it tells us is that bitterness begins with a small root. A small root. Something that you can't even see. It, it's just a small thing. But every small thing that has a root grows, doesn't it? Everything small that has a root grows and it ends up growing into a giant size pollution machine that's what he says springing up causes trouble and by it many are defiled that word defiled means polluted so uh, if you start men with a a, just a little bitter attitude towards your life it's going to grow up into a a great machine that pollutes everything but notice he says that many will be defiled not only your wife will be polluted but your children your family and everybody you associate with will be re, re, uh, polluted why because bitterness will become part of your life. You see, you let the tree grow instead of digging up that root and throwing it out by the grace of God. And so, it's vital and important that we understand that uh, if, if we don't obey God's command here to not be bitter men, bitter men, men be bitter uh, uh, I, uh, I, I think that we're going to have big problems in the family in the marriage and in the church and if you look at the church the family is a small cosmic uh, picture of the, what the church is in its fullness and the family should be running just like the church. And if the families in the church aren't running the way God tells them because you gentlemen aren't doing your part and being responsible, then you're going to affect the whole church. And the whole church is going to be affected. And when you look at statistics today, you can see it coming true. The divorce rate in churches is just as high as in the world. 
Does that tell you something? You see, God, God says, Hey, fellas, don't be bitter. Don't let it even, don't even think about it. Don't even think about it. Wipe it out of your mind. You can't do that. So, that's the lesson in 1 Peter and in Colossians. And now we'll go through the book of Ephesians. And I'll try to move a little faster here. Because there's a lot in here that we have to touch and cover. Ephesians 5.25. And as I said before, Paul's basic theme throughout this fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians is to exercise Christ's attitudes. Exercise Christ's attitudes. That's the only responsibility we have, men, is to exercise Christ's attitude. But, boy, there's a lot of different phases of those attitudes that we have to work on. So we have to look at it. Now, let me just point out, as you first read through this passage, and you may have thought this this morning as we were reading through it, oh, he's just talking about Christ in the church. But as, you, as we go through it, you will see he takes everything that he has said about Christ in the church and applies it to the husband and his responsibility to the family. And uh, so let's look at the passage. First, I want you to know, notice, gentlemen, that he's calling for love that is sacrificial sacrificial love now uh, as I alluded to earlier the love that we have is a mixture of awareness of God's direction but sensual as well but this love that he's talking about here is divine love. A love that doesn't come from ourselves. It comes from the Word and the Spirit working in us. And so he starts off with what I call the model of love. Gentlemen, listen to this. He says, Husbands, love your wives. And by the way, that's a command. It's not an option. He didn't say, if your wife's uh, a good cook, or if your wife's a good housekeeper, or if your wife's uh, submissive, or no. He says, just love your wives. Just love your wives according as Christ had loved the called out people. That is, in the same way that Christ loved his church and called them out, we are supposed to, with that same kind of sacrificial love that Christ demonstrated, have toward our wives. In other words, we need divine love. Where does it come from? The Word and the Spirit. The Word and the Spirit. You see how, how these two things always work together. Now, the model of love 
for men is Christ. So, if you want to model Christ, you have to get what? You have to get to know him. You have to be intimate with him. You have to love him. You see, in both husband and wife relationships, it's vital that we realize that we don't accomplish anything outside of our love for Christ. If you want to love your wives, gentlemen, you better learn to love Christ first. Because only to the extent that you love Christ and model his love will you really have love for your wife. And it will bring marital harmony. Then the second thing here is he not only talks about the model of love, but the mode of life. Love. What kind of love is it so, uh, supposed to be? He said, also delivered himself in place of it. In other words, he delivered up himself to redeem the church. And he said, it's the same way with you gentlemen. The way that Christ gave himself up for the church, you must have that kind of sacrificial love for your wife. You must be prepared to give yourself up for your wife. Follow the model. The model gave himself up for the church. You follow the model and you must give yourself up to your wives. So what he's saying is men also deliver up yourselves for your wives. That is, be willing to pay whatever it costs to make your wife the godly woman that she should be. The kind of wife she should be. So, we have sacrificial love that's demanded of you men and me. And uh, we have what I call sanctifying love. You find that in verses 26 and 27. Verses 26 and 27 read, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Now, why should husbands worry about sanctifying their wives? And I can hear you, gentlemen. Oh, I can't make my wife holy. Well, uh, you are supposed to be used of God in the process of doing that. It is your responsibility. It says, in order that he might have made it holy and cleansed it with the washing of water. How? The water of the word. 
the water of the word. The wife is cleansed when the husband becomes the priest in his home. When he becomes the spiritual teacher and leader in his home. When he is able to take the word of God and speak it and use it in such a way that the spirit of God can take it and then work through the word and the spirit in the sanctifying of his wife. You see, now that's kind of hard, isn't it, gentlemen? That means you have to be a student of the Bible and you have to study the Bible. And Oh, I thought that's what we're supposed to be doing. Anyway, and that's our responsibility. Be diligent in showing yourself approved unto God. How? Rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay? So, we have a responsibility then to be all students of the word of God. To be studying the word of God. To have our hearts and minds in the word of God. And let the spirit of God teach us so we can take the word of God and teach our wives. You see, that's, that's something that you will find if, gentlemen, you do that, will bind you and your wife together. Because the Word of God and the Spirit of God bind the wife and the husband together. And then it also binds the family together. And so, the uh, uh, it's important for us to realize that God's purpose ultimately for the husband is to be used in the process of the sanctification of his wife. Now, in John chapter 17, in verse 17, uh, Jesus says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So we have, we have to be men of the word. And uh, as the word is taught in the church, well, at least in our church, uh, you, don't, you don't find a lot of that nowadays. But as the word is supposed to be taught in the church, so it is supposed to be taught in the home. It is an ongoing thing, and the home, the home is the place where the climax of what happens in the church takes place, where the teaching is taken and personally applied in the home. So it is, it is a sanctifying process. And what is, what is the product then? that is produced. What is the product that is produced? We find that in verse 27. Uh, it says, The purpose of all of this for you gentlemen is the, to bring your wives to the nearness of Christ. To the nearness of Christ. It says, In order that he might have caused it to stand near to himself. 
That's why Christ was sanctifying the church so it could draw near to him. And your job as a husband is to be the teacher in your home and the guide so that your wife will be drawn closer to Christ. And do you know what that will cause? Your husband, your wife, I should say, will be drawn closer to you as a husband. If she is closer to Christ, she will be closer to you. See, that's vital and important. So that's your responsibility. Let, let me put this just another way. That if you don't think your wife's spiritual enough, you better take a look at yourself. And what you're doing in the home. Now... In, in, he talks about here the dress and its purpose. He says, the purpose, again, is nearness to Christ, but then the dress, he talks about a garment, is to be made perfect. A little translation there is, a splendidly attired assembly, nor wrinkle, nor one of this kind. The church, the church is to be a uh, group of people who have the garment of Christ on them and are growing into the place through the grace of God and the work of Christ where the, the wrinkles are coming out of the garment. The wrinkles are coming out of the garment, so there will be no wrinkles. And the same thing happens in the home, you see. If the husband is doing his job, then the wrinkles will come out of the family. And things will work and operate the way they should. And he said, any, any other kind of thing that makes the, the garment look bad, is, is going to be get gotten rid of and and therefore husbands do your job properly do your job properly so you can have have the, the right kind of garment so he says uh, uh, it's uh, important for us to make sure make sure that all the wrinkles are taken out of the garment of our home. All the wrinkles. And that that is something, and I'm sorry to tell you this, but that Pastor Tony can't do. He can give you all the directions, but it's up to you, men, to do the job. It's up to you. And you do it by the washing of water through the word. And that's the way it has to work. And then he talks about finally here uh, it, it, the the product I, I talked about I called it the product he, the product produced he says to the contrary in order that it might be set apart and also spotless. What is what is the goal of the Christian husband? It's twofold, that he might have a wife who is living a godly life 
and set apart for God. But the second half of it is that he might have, that he might have a family because of the harmony in the marriage that is set apart for God and people will see it and they can't point at any of the creases in the garment. You see? And so that's what he's saying here, that it might be spotless. It might be spotless. So we have uh, uh, sacrificial love, sanctifying love. And then the third thing he talks about here, and I'll go through this quickly, is what I call self-reflecting love. Self-reflecting love. And uh, in, in verse 28, the first part, he says, In the manner the husband is indebted to always continue the wife of his in a manner in the manner he loves himself in other words he's saying in the manner that you're supposed to love your wife is the way you love yourself the way you love yourself and and he goes on and he says uh, 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 that's the way Christ loved the church he nourished it and cherished it and that's the way we as men should be doing with our families. We should be nourishing and cherishing our families and thanking God for our families and doing the utmost we can to have a godly family that's built around the Word of God. And let me r remind you again, he's talking about Christian families here. Christian families. Husband and wives who profess faith in Christ. And you got to have this kind of determination. And he says, he says, a man never hates himself. And let me just point out here, he's talking about a Christian man, and you might find men in the world that hate themselves and commit suicide. Uh, actually, they don't hate themselves, they just feel sorry for themselves. And that's a big difference. Uh, they don't hate themselves, they just feel sorry for themselves. But he says, a man never hates himself. What does that mean for us as Christian men? You have to go back to the fact that Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and God dwells within you. And so you treat your body as the temple of God and you don't hate your body. You might not, might not like the uh, rheumatism or you might like the uh, visual problems you have or speech problems or whatever but you don't hate your body you treat it as the temple of God and and the Christian man cannot hate his body because he will hate the temple of God that's what Paul says you are the temple of God and God lives in you God lives in you and so we, we, we have to be like Christ who uh, loved us and gave himself for us. And then quickly, I'll summarize the last two verses. He's, he's our three verses there. He's talking about uh, actually summarizing the whole thing. And, uh, and he says that just like 
Christ, we should be God's people and love our wives. And then just in case you forgot women, he says, also, women, have reverence to your husband. Give reverence to your husband. Notice what he says. Verse 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular, or that means each one of you one by one, so love his wife as his own self, and also let the wife see that she respects or re reveres her husband. Now, how does the wife respect or revere her husband? When his husband is functioning the way God had intended him to function. And so, for true marital harmony, you see, you have to have women functioning in God's way and men functioning in God's way. And one of the one of the marks of the church today is marital inharmony. And the church has to get back to following Christ's pattern for wives and for husbands. And gentlemen, you've got a big job. But you've got a big God who has, gives you grace upon grace through his word and by the spirit so you can function the way he wants you to. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for your great love for us and help our hearts even as we prepare to meet around your table that uh, we will understand your great love and live in that love and obey you because we love you. Teach us to walk as husbands and wives in the manner you have given us and directed us in your scripture to the glory of your name and to the strength of your church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.